Hey there, and thank you for listening to the Live Oak Church Podcast. We thank you for joining us today. The sermon notes are available on a PDF file at www.liveoakji.org. Here is Pastor Sean. Turn to the book of Ephesians, that's right. Ephesians chapter 6. Um, this week and next week are our last weeks in uh, our summer book study, uh, the book of Ephesians. I've enjoyed it. hope you have. Uh, it's going to be a, a good last two weeks. Really, um, we'll be looking at the most popular part of Ephesians. When you look at the book of Ephesians, many times uh, what they will refer to is uh, Ephesians chapter 6, and that's the armor of God. We're going to hit the armor of God next week. As a matter of fact, today we're only going to be looking at three verses, and that's verses 10 through 13. I only put through 10 through 12 up there, so I'll add uh, 13 in just a second. So if you have your Bibles, turn to 6, 10 through 13, and let's read that together. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you may take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after done everything, to stand. And then I'll go into 14 just for a second. Stand firm then. So let's, uh, let's, let's pray as we jump into the scripture. Lord, thank you for this day. I pray, God, that you would not allow me to speak a word without your permission. Uh, may, I be, um, may I be appropriate with your word and with your truth. In Jesus' name, amen. So as we go into this section, what Paul has done throughout the book of Ephesians is outline the idea of grace, outline the idea that both Gentiles and Hebrews now share the same God, and we all have graces covered for both of them. Uh, he goes into talking about the, uh, what that grace means for the church, uh, for this new experiment called the Christian church. And he goes in, we spent two weeks looking at uh, what this idea of grace means for our daily living. And then last week we looked at what this idea of grace and the Holy Spirit means for our families. And now that feeds into today. As he is laying this out, he's like, finally, you need to understand, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Because there is an attack. There is a thing called spiritual warfare. There is a real God and there's a real devil. And there's, there was a, a trend a few years ago that we liked the idea, the Christian church, uh, many very prominent pastors, very, very famous, if I were to say their names, you may recognize them, very prominent pastors were willing to acknowledge this idea that Jesus was God's son, okay, you know, they, 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 okay, we like that idea, they would acknowledge the idea that there is going to be a new earth and a new heaven, this idea of heaven, they were willing to acknowledge that, but they began to shy away from this idea that there was a hell. And they began to shy away from this idea that there was indeed a person that is Satan. They would acknowledge a person that is Jesus. But they would, they, they, they would 
not come to the place of acknowledging that there was an enemy, that there was an actual demon, there was an actual devil, there was an actual Satan, because we don't like that. And it kind of seems like a childish story. It kind of seems like something that we would see on a movie, you know, and we do. We see them all over the movie, movies, and we see you know, portrayals of Satan, we see portrayals of demons, we see portrayals of, you know, forked tongues and horns and all this kind of stuff. We see these things out there, and it seems beneath us to, under, to believe that there is this impish devil out there trying to wreck our lives. And if you were to perceive the enemy that way, it is childish. But there is a very real enemy, and he is quite quite good at what he does and that is trying to wreck God's creation and his most precious creation and that's humanity there is a real fight a real warfare going on out there there are angels there are demons and they are fighting for us on a day-by-day basis so he says finally be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power Listen, he's like, you know, all this to take care of your family, to take care of all this, you're going to need his power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against whose schemes? The devil's schemes. So the first thing we need to do is to be aware of the battle. We need to know that there is a battle going on. We need, we need the Lord's strength to get through the battle. We, we can't do this on our own. He says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Because can I just tell you this, and, and, and you guys know this, you can't do life alone. If you try to live in isolation, life will kick your tail. We need the fullness of God. We need God's power. We need the, the we, 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 when he says use the full armor of God, he means to, that, that we are to embrace the fullness of what God has to offer. We need the full armor of God. We need the fullness of what he has because God offers protection. And we're going to look at this next week uh, at the armor. He offers protection for our minds. He offers protection for our hearts. He offers protection for our souls. He offers protections for our walking Lord. He offers us protection in all of these areas. And yet, when we fail to put on all of the armor, that is exactly the weakness that the enemy will attack. And so we need the fullness of God. Also, if you'll notice, it says to stand. Put on the full armor of God so that you may take your stand against the devil's schemes. First struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of the start world. Therefore, put on the full armor, this verse 13, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after done everything to stand, stand firm then. I mean, I tell you what, if the Bible tells me something once, I'm going to pay attention. If the Bible tells me something twice, I'm really going to pay attention. If the Bible tells me something three times, by God, I'm writing that in stone. If the Bible says one word four times in three verses, that's pretty important. The idea, the posture of the Christian is never retreat. The posture of a Christian is to stand. Stand firm. To, you know, for our struggle... Uh, blah, blah. So that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. The posture of the Christian is that of a spiritual warrior. 
A believer in Jesus Christ is never weak, ever. Because we have the fullness of God in us, with us at all times. The posture of a Christian is a warrior. I, 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 you know, I used to work at a Christian bookstore. And um, we used to sell those uh, precious moments, angels. And they're just adorable. You know, they're just, they're just precious. And I remember there was a lady I worked for. Uh, Ladonia, uh, which is, <laughs> she's exactly who she sounds like. And so, and, and she's just hilarious. And she's like, she's like, child, I'm going to tell you one thing. I hope my angel don't look like this. <laughs> and I said, why? She's like, I want my angel beat up, scarred, wounded, battle tested. She's like, I, want my, I, don't want, I don't want no baby angel. I want an angel looking like they went through battle. And I was like, yeah. That's right. I, when, I, I look at a, when I look at an angel, I want my angel look like, looking more like Thor and a little less like a baby, okay? I want, I want the angel that's looking after me to have scars all over him because, by God, he has been fighting off some demons. I want battle-tested. I, I, and so, because our life is never meant, you know, if you have, if you have a, 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 an angel in your corner, that's still pristine, it means he hasn't been in battle. Because the, the posture of a Christian is that of a spiritual warrior. Our job, our job as a believer, love God, love people, and live boldly. Our job as a believer is to be out there and to, and to speak and to, and to stand and to fight against that which is wrong and to fight against that which is evil. And so we need to get out there. And let me tell you that the evil is, is so prevalent, it's not hard to find the evil. We're never, the, the, Christian, the Christian mentality was never supposed to retreat. We're not supposed to, to, to be so, you know, uh, I don't want to say we're not supposed to be meek because the Bible says we're supposed to be meek, but we're not supposed to be meek in our approach to sin. We're supposed to be out there. We're supposed to be fighting evil because that's who we are. We're Christians. Stand, therefore. Against the, uh, the, against the devil's schemes. We need to, need to know that, the, that there is a fight out there. When we see it out there, and, and I, I, I've seen too many times in the Christian church that what they do is when there's so much evil out there, what they'll do is they'll, they'll close up their doors and they'll stay within their stained glass windows. And they'll stay within their, their, their doors. And they don't affect change anywhere else because they just don't want to get any of that evil, ooky-gooky world on us. And so we'll stay here. And we'll have our own Christian school and our own Christian clubs. And we'll do it all in here. And we'll protect our little children. And we'll protect our little teenagers. And we'll protect our little people. And we'll make sure that none of the church icky stuff gets on, the world icky stuff gets on us. And so what the church has done is it's retreated. And it's closed itself off. Meanwhile, the enemy has fortified and grown. I love that instead of saying, you know what, let's do a Bible club for kids and let's do it at the ministry center, which we're going to do. But, you know what, let's do one at the school. Because you know what, that's where the kids are. Let's go there. 
You know what? Let, let's make sure. I, I love that my small group, and, and you may disagree with this, and there may be some of y'all disagree with me, and that's fine. There's only 20 of us, so if two of y'all leaves, only 18 of us. I mean, so, uh, so, so the point is, uh, our small group was getting together, and, and, and I love that they were talking, we were talking about the community of, of Low Tide and everything. And they were like, you know what we should do? Our small group should go out to Low Tide and have Bible study out there. And then someone said, you know what? Even better, our, we should go out and do trivia night with our live oak shirts on and, and go out to Low Tide. And I'm like, I love that. We're Baptists going to a bar and, and saying, hey, and, and, and not saying you guys are evil because you're at a bar, you know, and then sneaking out behind the bar later and drinking. You know, we're, no, we're going to go right into the bar and say, hey, we're with you. Come on, let's go. I, that, that's, that's what the church is supposed to do. We're supposed to go to the people. We're never supposed to retreat. We're never supposed to retreat. Our job, we are spiritual warriors, and we are in a battle. The thing is, most believers, most churches fail to even recognize that they're in a battle. Know that you're in a battle. If you're in a battle, you're going to need the Lord's strength. You're going to need the full armor of God, and you're going to need to stand. He goes on to say uh, in verse, uh, verse 11, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Really good writing, Pastor Paul. That's really good, you know, because that, that, you get imagery. The devil's schemes. And you can almost see, you know, the devil, you know, twisting his mustache and wondering what's going on. And so I was trying to think how I was going to pull this out and to make this real for us today. Um, there, there's, there's two ways I was going to go. Um, and one is the way I went. <clears throat> the second is homework lesson. And say, um, th- there, there's a book by C.S. Lewis called Screwtape Letters. It's a really easy read. Uh, it's not very difficult. Um, it's what I would call a bathroom read, you know, because very short chapters. Um, but um, it, it, it's inexpensive. You can get it for six bucks on Amazon. Um, but I, I love the, the, the book, the Screwtape Letters, because basically Screwtape is, uh, is uh, a demon uh, that was assigned to a person. And, uh, oh, no, his nephew was assigned to a person, and the nephew was writing letters to his uncle Screwtape, and trying to figure out how to attack and how to influence and how to um, uh, per, um, pursue his human. And uh, it's amazing to hear how C.S. Lewis kind of um, saw the devil's schemes and how he attacked the person. So it's a great read, great book, classic. Um, pick it up. So I didn't go that way. Instead... When I was a kid, um, my stepdad made me read several books. Um, He made me read uh, Aristotle's Ethics, and um, so I remember being in high school and carrying that around. Um, Definitely made me look really cool, Um, but uh, enjoyed it. No, no, I didn't. It was was enriching, but it's it's not a page-turner, let me tell you. Um, But this one I actually enjoyed. He made me read Sun Tzu's The Art of War. Um, It's very... Very popular. Um, all your major generals have, you know, read it. You know, Patton basically used it uh, in most of his uh, his attacks in World War II, and um, it's just full of. Um, uh, it's basically a general, uh, Sun Tzu, and giving um, information 
warfare tactics and that kind of thing. And so, uh, and so what we're going to do, uh, I was looking at it, and I was trying to think, what are some of the devil's schemes? And I could kind of throw some out, but I thought it would be interesting and just kind of creative and fun. And so I picked out six um, tactics that Sun Tzu shares in The Art of War. And we're going to look at it and see how it translates in not only to the military war, uh, physical combat, but also how this affects us on a spiritual plane. And so we need to know our enemy. What are his schemes? Okay, because it says, the Bible says, um, to take our stand against the devil's schemes. Well, it's important to know what those schemes might be. So uh, let's, look at, let's look at those just real quick. I think it'll be fun. So we've got six tactics from the art of war by Sun Tzu. All right? There's a lot to write down. If you don't get it all written, I'll post it on our Facebook page. All right? uh, so number one is know your enemy and know yourself, then victory is without danger. Know your enemy and know yourself, and then victory is without danger. You see, the thing is, the enemy, uh, Satan, the devil, he knows you. He's going to do everything he can to know you. Now, you know, can he read your mind? I don't think so. He's not there. But he knows you. He's watching you. He, the, the, the Bible says, and we'll get to that letter in, in Peter, he's like a, a lion. He just prowl it. If you've ever seen a lion attack, he just sits there waiting, waiting, waiting for that opportunity to attack. And so I woke you up. Um, so know your enemy and know yourself. So he knows you. And, and what, how, how is that important? It's important to know that the weaknesses that you have that you don't even share with your friends, he knows those. The weaknesses, the temptations that you have, he knows those. Uh, you know, so, so it's important, one, to know yourself. It's, one, it's important to, to evaluate yourself. It's important to be real with yourself. It's important to know your limitations. It's important to know your uh, weaknesses so that the enemy cannot exploit those. I meet together with a, a pastor buddy of mine. Uh, we try to meet once a week for accountability. I meet with a pastor because I'm not going to meet with one of you guys and talk about my dirty little secrets because that's just weird, okay? Um, but two pastors, we can get together. We can talk about just things that we're struggling with. Um, I think it would be inappropriate if me and David are out and we're having coffee. And I say, you know what? If I have to deal with my wife one more day, I swear to God, you know, okay, that's also... His worship leader, that's weird for him to kind of hear their pastor talk like that. So we, you, you need people to talk to, which is why life groups are important, why accountability groups are important. But anyway, I meet with, with him, and w when we first started meeting together, we just allowed, we, we had freedom to spill out all of our stuff, all of our weaknesses. You know, listen, what do you struggle with? And so I know with him I can talk to him and I can say, hey, listen, I can see a danger here. You've got to be careful because this is a weakness for you and you're going down this road. Be careful. And it's like, you're right, you're right, you're right, you're right. And the same back and forth. We need to know ourselves and we need to be able to communicate those weaknesses because the enemy is going to use those weaknesses against us. Number two, knowing heaven and earth ensure victory is complete. Knowing heaven and earth 
ensure victory is complete. Now, that just seemed really cool, and I thought it was cool to include one that said heaven in it. But basically what he meant was knowing heaven means knowing the seasonal trends of the time, and knowing earth means understanding the characteristics of the terrain. And so what he was meaning is know the climate and know the terrain. Know what's going on. Know the trends. You know, uh, in other words, you, uh, Sun Tzu would say you don't fight a war with Russia in the winter. You, you know, uh, Hitler found that out. You know, you don't, you need to know the seasons. You need to know the weather patterns. You need to know what's going on and you need to know your terrain. And, and, and you know, the, the, I, I, I was thinking about this. I was praying about this. How... How can the how does the enemy use this tactic against us? And I began to think about the idea of seasons. The idea of season. We all it's we it's a natural flow of things. We all have seasons in our lives. We all have rhythms in our lives. We all have moments in our day that are better than others. Um, how many of you are morning people? Raise your hand. How many of you are night people? Raise your hand. How many of you just don't want to be here at all? You know, <laughs> so it's like no, um, noon. You know, <laughs> but um, but it, it's funny. In all my time of um, of doing premarital counseling, I, I've never I've never really met um, a a couple that was both a morning person or both an evening person. It's always one or the other. You know, because God's just mean. And so, um, uh, but but we have we have different seasons. You know, like I like to get up in the morning. I, I don't mind getting up early. I get up, get ready, ready to rock and roll. You know, I'm. You know, I, by the time the door is open here at 8:30, I've already been up. I've gotten the the coffee made for the church. I've, you know, gone over my sermon. I've, you know, I might do a, a, a little social media post and um, pray, uh, walk around, think think through some things and, and that kind of stuff. And then doors open at 8:30. I'm ready to rock and roll. Um, now, at 10.30, 10 usually, but by 10.30, I turn into a pumpkin. So, listen, I'm your pastor, and you can all call me whenever you want. If you want me to pick up after 10.30, you better be bleeding, okay? I'm just saying. Uh, uh, you know, if you, hey, pastor, I had an idea. Let's chat. Don't do that after 10.30. I mean, uh, just, uh, I mean you save that and text it to me in the morning. I, I love you. And I'll, I'm sure I'm going to love the idea, but I, you know, I know my seasons. I know after a certain point, I get grumpy, and, and, and the enemy can use those times. Uh, you know, we all have those seasons of of the day, of the month, of the year. Um, it, it, it really is. If you look back over your life, if, especially if you journal, there are some months that you just do better than others. It's weird. We we all have seasons. Know those things because the enemy knows those seasons, and he will attack us in those weakest seasons. When you're tired, when you're hungry, when you're um, uh, when you're when you're when you're strung out at work, those times you need to be extra careful. Pray a little harder during those times. Know that you are vulnerable. Know that you are weak in those times. Uh, know your terrain. Know 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 um, what you're around. Um, I, I've heard it said um, in uh, in recovery world, they tell people to be careful with your people 
and your playgrounds. You have to be careful with your people and your playgrounds. You hang out with certain people, you're a little more susceptible to certain things. There's some people that just can talk you into doing things you're not supposed to do. And we, especially when we were younger, remember that? You know, we had that one friend that always seemed to get us into trouble. You know, it's like, hey, watch this. And we just followed along. And it's like, you knew you were going to get in trouble. And it's like, oh, man, why do I hang out with this person? That kind of thing. Well, even in our lives today, we have to be careful. Maybe not someone who's talking us into jumping off a cliff or whatever, but that person that you may hang out with at work or may talk to on a regular basis that feeds into negativity, feeds into doubt. We have to be careful the people that we hang out with and the playgrounds we hang out with. I, I Listen, as a pastor, as a believer, as a one who studies the Word of God, I don't have a problem if one wants to have a drink of wine or have a drink of beer. However, there are some people that can't. There are some people that are afflicted with addiction, alcoholism, and they can't go with us to, and and I'm going to tell you, if that is ever the case, if there's someone with us that they are uh, an alcoholic and they can't be around those playgrounds where there's alcohol or that could send them spiraling, I'm sorry, but I'll cut that off because I'm not going to be a stumbling block for that one person just because I want to go, whoo-hoo, have over there low tide, you know? (laughs) But we have to be careful. We have to be careful. The, 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 the people and the playgrounds we hang out with, we have to know our terrain and we have to know our seasons because the enemy does. We'll use those against us. Number three, the best warfare is victory without a war. That is achieved by building yourself up to such that no one dares to take you on. Now, I was going to spin this and be about how God's on our side with God on, on our side. No one will take us on but in reality the enemy uses this so effectively the best warfare is victory without a war that is achieved by building yourself to such that no one dares take you on how many of you wanted to say something wanted to speak out for the gospel wanted to speak out for the truth or wanted to speak out for what is right but just didn't because either it wouldn't make a difference because the world is just messed up. Or, you know what, I'm going to get shouted down so loud by so many people, what's the point? So many people, especially young people, especially teenagers, so many people struggle with speaking up for the gospel because they're going to get hit with so much noise that they feel like, what's the point? That's exactly what this means. You you could take this out. And just say, what's the point tactic? What's the point? I can't win. There's no, there's no sense in talking about the truth because I can't win. There's no sense in talking about godly uh, perspectives and godly values because I can't win. What's the point? The enemy has done a great job in our society of not even having to fight. He Half the time's... He's not even fighting with us because we don't even fight. Because we look at the battle and we're like, I can't win. So what's the point? Number four, warfare is mainly deception. Deception is about creating surprises, doing what the enemy does not expect, so that he is caught off without any defense. 1 Peter 5.8, I alluded to this earlier, says, Be sober-minded and alert. The devil 
is like a roaring lion seeking that which he would devour. The devil is like a roaring lion seeking out. We have to be alert because you never know where he's going to be. He, he, he's just hiding there. He's just waiting because he might get you over here or he might get you over there. Deception is about changing your direction, is about surprise. It's about, uh, we, we, were, um, we went to several parks this past week. And um, uh, I don't mind roller coasters for the most part. We went on the, um, uh, a really fun one was called The Hulk, you know, which was at um, Universal Studios, and, and I, it was a lot of fun. I, I don't mind roller coasters because I know it's coming, you know. I know I'm going to get, you know, up and down and spin around. I, I see it, you know. I, I can see what's in front of me, and I'm like, all right, this is going to be bad, and boom, and it was, you know. But I, I, I knew it was coming. It didn't surprise me, and, and I, you know, so it's not a big deal because I wasn't surprised. And then I went on this very... Um, mild, what I thought was a very mild um, uh, uh, ride at Universal. It was a Jurassic Park uh, water ride. And we'd been walking around, and I was like, you know, I could, a uh, little splash, it'd be fun. There's just little ridiculous little robot dinosaurs. I was like, okay, moo, you know, that kind of thing. And so it's no problem. And I'm just enjoying my time, enjoying my time, and, you know, the, ah, you know, ooh, yay, you know, that kind of thing. And so I'm just uh, having a good old time. And then, you know, you see this T-Rex, this big old T-Rex right in front of you. And I'm like, that's a big T-Rex. But I, you couldn't see really how you were going to get around him. And I was like, I just assumed he was going to jump up and we would go out of the way, you know. And so you're looking at the T-Rex and brilliant, brilliant, I'm giving this away, you know. But anyway, so if you ever ride this ride, sorry, I spoiled it for you. But you're looking at this big T-Rex and you're like, all of a sudden, boom, you just go straight down in this water ride and splash, you know. Scared the living snot out of me, okay? I mean, I was like, you know, I was, you know, screaming like girls scream, ah, you know, that kind of thing. Because I, I'm, cause I was surprised. And on a roller coaster, I see the dips coming. I'm like, no big deal. I'm looking at T-Rex. Think, next thing I know, floop, I'm, you know, going straight down into a puddle of water. Those things scare me. That's exactly how Satan is. Satan's like, ooh, look at, the big mo- look at the big monster, look at the big monster. Your eyes are on the big monster. Bam, he gets you. And so we have to be ever alert. Be sober-minded and alert. Because the enemy is going to deceive you. He's going to say, look at this, isn't this good? And you're like, it is good. Is this great? It is great. It's got a little bit of Jesus to it. And so you're like, ooh, I like Jesus. Okay, and so you're here and you're hooked in. And all of a sudden you realize, wait a minute. You didn't realize how far away from the gospel you've gotten because it had just enough Jesus in it to deceive you and keep you far over here. Because that preacher, man, he sounded good and he was smart and he was intelligent and he was bold and so, and so it was just enough Jesus to get you hooked on. And you're like, wait a minute. But, but and, and, you know, all of a sudden the truth is a little further away, but there's a little bit. And then, wait a minute, what do you mean? There's no hell. What do you mean? What do you mean half of the Bible is really just up for interpretation and not real? You, but you found way over there. You see, you've been deceived, you know, because it's just tricking you, surprising you. And so we have to be careful. All right, that's number four. Number five, prepare and plan from real data. Sun Tzu says to prepare and plan from real data, collect intelligence of the true intentions of people 
and not fooled by external behavior and events designed to deceive us. Um, generals are always doing this because they'll, they'll move things around. If you're a football fan, this happens all the time. You have, you're, you know, got a guy ready to throw the ball, and you have these guys that are supposed to defend. If you're not a football fan, you have these guys, defenders, that are supposed to stop the ball. And so, and they move around. They're moving all over the place. And you're like, oh, they're going to come after me. And then you hike the ball, and psych, they weren't going to come after you. They actually, you know, backed up. And so, basically, a quarterback has to recognize, nope, they're faking me out. I can see how they're moving. And how do they do that? By looking at their past games, looking at things, getting real data, looking at real things. What does that mean to us as Christians? It means we need to look at we need to look at the Bible. We need to look at history, and we need to see how the enemy works. I'm gonna say this, I'm gonna get really quick on the last one, then we'll be done. We're in a bad place. But it's not new. I hate it when people say, it's the worst ever. I just wish someone would pick up a history book. We've never been this divided in the world. Those of you who are a little older, you remember the 60s. It's pretty bad, wasn't it? I mean, racial tensions are pretty high. But I don't think we're sick and dogs and, um, on people anymore, right? I mean, y'all remember those days, right? I mean, I, I don't mean to call y'all out, but, I mean, those are pretty bad days, right? It, it was pretty bad. Now, I'm not saying it's perfect now, but to say it's the worst it's ever been, it's like, have you, have you opened a history book? I mean, have you, have you even looked at what, what life was like? Forget about the world. Look at the United States just a few decades ago. It was pretty bad. You know, our country was split in half even back then. Oh, and let's go back a little bit further. <laughs> the Civil War, we were pretty divided, literally. So I don't like it when people speak hyperbolic about it's, being, it's the worst ever. But it's pretty bad. And if you look even further back in history, when it comes to the amount of people who were turning away from the faith, it has happened once before. And it was during the Renaissance. During the Renaissance, it was right after the medieval times, um, which I just went to, by the way. But anyway, um, but it was just right after the medieval times, and people were fairly ignorant, and so they were just um, buying whatever the Catholic Church told them. And the Renaissance happened. And the Renaissance, these were free thinkers. And this is where all of our great inventions have happened, our great, you know, Descartes and all these guys, you know, I think, therefore I am, and all these very pretentious, great philosophical minds came. And it was a wonderful time. It, was, it, it thrust us forward uh, as a people, as a, as a culture. But in the midst of this, we thought when these thinkers became um, so prevalent, they were too intelligent to buy into this idea of a god. And so atheism became um, all the rage during the Renaissance. Um, but then came this guy, Martin Luther, who dared to read the Bible. He was a monk, and monks really weren't, didn't really read the Bible, believe it or not. And um, he did, and he's like, wait a minute, we're not doing that at all. And began the Protestant church and started this great, great movement that we're part of. Um, 
And so now we're in the midst of a new renaissance. And so this, this is just, this is not theology, this is, this is pastor history time, okay? But we're part of a technological renaissance. I mean, think about how much our lives have changed just in your lifetime. I mean, in your lifetime, we went from beepers to big phones to flip phones to now we have more information, more computer technology in this phone that was in the Dagum space shuttle right here. And we get frustrated when a movie buffers for more than 15 seconds on your phone. Remember VCRs and you had to, you know, <laughs> rewind? I mean, but I digress. Techno- we're in a technological renaissance. With that technological renaissance is coming people who are post-Christian. We are too sophisticated for God. We're too sophisticated for the Bible. Let me help you. This is not a new thing. It can be devastating, but it doesn't have to be. It's going to take a group of people to refine the word. To dust off the word of God and say, oh, we're not doing that anymore. The truth has to be prevalent once again. And that will bring us back. I say that to say that we have to prepare and plan from real data. Don't listen to hyperbole. Know that it's a bad time. We've been here before. And we know how to get out of it. Go back to the word. And then finally, number six, be wise. Be agile, flexible, watchful in mastering the variation and exploiting the advantages. There is no one rule for all situations. We can't attack the enemy like we did 50 years ago. Miss Alice, you remember remember the days of visitation? Did you ever do visitation back in the day? At James Island, Tuesday night, when, when, I, when I was at Remount, when I was at Remount, it was Monday night, and we go to visitation, and we'd have the visitor cards, and they'd divvy them out, and if there were teenagers, they'd give them to the youth guy, and so I would take them, and I would take a couple of teenagers with me, and we'd go door to door. Hey, I'm from blank, blank, I'm from Live Oak Church. That was a long time ago. That can't work today. You come at my door, I'm a Christian. I love you, and I love Jesus. I'm eating dinner. You come knocking on my door telling me about Jesus, I'm annoyed. And it's, I, I hate that. But it's like, I love you, I love Jesus. Get out of my house, you know. So, now, if it's one of you guys, come on. But if it's a stranger coming to my house telling me about Jesus, it's annoying. But, I, God forgive me. But that's just our culture. It doesn't work today. We can't go no door, door to door. There was a group of people doing that, just share, just giving away, like, gift gift bags, you know, inviting people for Easter, I think it was Seacoast, and, and, and oh my gosh, the, 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 the Facebook page just, boom, these people need to leave us alone, and it was like horrible. We don't live in that world anymore. We can't fight the enemy that way. We can't fight the enemy by saying, this is Christian and you're not, you know, we can't fight, it, it can't, we can't do it. We have to change, we have to evolve, we have to find ways to fight the enemy. We can never do the same thing all the time. Our message, our values should be the same. And I'm telling you right now, I just turned 45. 
So Live Oak, 20 years from now, who knows what it's going to look like. But at 65, I'm going to be well ready to be done. And so, uh, but if by the time I'm 65, I'm ready to hand the baton on to the next pastor of Live Oak Church. If we're still doing things the same way we're doing them right now, we have failed. However, if we have changed our values and what's important to us, then we've failed. We need to keep our values pure. Love God, love uh, people, live boldly should always be there. Commitment to truth, commitment to the word should always be there. How we do that, it's got to change. So, be wise, be agile, be flexible. And let me close out with this. We are in a spiritual battle. And if you were to look around at culture, we are losing ground. We do know, though, if you read Scripture, we do win the war. But it is important for us to know, to, to, to know that it is up to us to decide how many casualties have to fall in the process. We will win in the end. But how many people have to fall to the enemy in the process? How many can we save? Let's go back to Scripture. Verse 11, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Your struggle is not against your neighbor. Your struggle is not against your boss. Your struggle is not against that pain in the neck relative. Your, your struggle is not against flesh and blood. But against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you've done everything, to stand. Next week, we unpack the armor. We get us ready for battle. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for our church. I thank you for this band of believers you brought together and I believe with all my heart that there is not a person in this room that desires to, to cower, to run away or to hide. I believe, God, that in this room are a, a band of believers that want to stand, that want to fight, that want to make sure that your, your name is made great on John's Island. And we know that the enemy has been fortified. We know that the enemy is strong. We know the enemy is, is scheming against us and this church and us individually and our families. We know that, Lord. And so, God, we ask that you protect us, that you go before us, that you fight for us, God. We fight, but we fight with your armor. We fight, but we fight with your strength. We fight, but we fight with you, God. You are our source of strength. And so, God, give us that strength. Lord, protect us in our weak moments. Protect us in those moments where we are tempted to fall. We love you, God. Go before us now. May we honor you in all that we do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to Live Oak Church Podcast. Please consider partnering with us or signing up for our newsletter by going to liveoakji.org. Have a great week, and remember to love God, love people, and live boldly.